Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm Thomas Wasson, your host here, enterprise trucking carrier expert at Freight Waves. With me today, to my left, is Mr. Tony Mulvey, senior analyst here over at Freight Waves. And today's show, we're going to discuss supply chain disruptions and trucking research trends. Before we begin, though, this Loaded and Rolling episode was made possible by our sponsor, Emerge focused on empowering and growing meaningful supply chain relationships. Emerge is proud to sponsor the Loaded and Rolling community. Through its freight procurement platform, Emerge offers solutions that enhance the spot and contract procurement processes, enabling shippers to make the most strategic decisions possible. Learn more at www.emerge.com. Now, on to the show. First article, we're going to have some U.S. bank data. It is the first and only article, but I feel it's important. So uh, on the image here, we're going to see a chart real fast with uh, bank data. It is basically fourth quarter for 2021. The TLDR, higher trucking costs while having fewer shipments at the same time. So if you examine this graph here, a uh, quick highlight reel. Basically, Q4 2021 data, uh, the cost of goods to ship via truck went up as well as the volume of freight shipments. Why is it useful? U.S. Bank is a major processor of invoices. So what it's showing is market activity. And uh, takeaways include uh, shipments were down 5.1% compared to the previous quarter in 2020. But the freight spend index, it actually increased 8.4% uh, in 2021 Q4 compared to the previous quarter. Finally, if you're looking at it from like year over year, the spend was up 26.5% compared to 2020 and 21.5% compared to 2019. So rising prices, including inflation. So capacity headwinds basically means that uh, we're seeing higher rates even with fewer shipments. Uh, moving on here, we have a sonar chart and this one is the weighted outbound tender rejection highlights. Get excited. Uh, it's got two different colors here. There's blue and there's red. What is it? So it measures the rejection loads for contracted lanes. The more rejections equals kind of the less capacity as a percentage. Key highlights. Look to the top right. We're starting in the New England area at Maine up to 60% rejections due to a blizzard that happened over the weekend. Uh, for those listeners, this is January 31st. So it was about two days ago on the 28th and they're still working on digging out from that situation. Uh, going a little bit down south, Atlanta and Nashville saw lowered rejection rates, looking at Atlanta at 15% and Nashville at 20% respectively. Uh, the southeast is a little bit warmer than the Midwest, so things are heating up. Tender rejections are going downhill. Uh, finally, we're going to the west coast here, Los Angeles and Ontario. Both of those markets saw tender rejections fall to 10%, even amid port backlogs. Now, that's going to be an interesting topic we'll discuss a little bit later with Tony as well, just because even though it says 10% rejections, there's a lot more going on to the story. And especially as we're entering 2022, what's going on with California? Uh, escape from LA, yes or no? So that brings me to my guest with me today, Mr. Tony Mulvey, Thomas senior analyst. Pleasure to have you on as always. Happy to be here. This is also my first in-air interview with a person instead of virtual. So we have a milestone here by the episode five and just super, super hype. Uh, Tony also helps out with passport research as well as commentary and analysis on the supply chain. 
you're kind of the supply chain guru around here. And so leading into that with research, anything important that you think we should know about? Well, obviously, earnings season's here, right? And last week, we had a lot of the truckload carriers start to report earnings. And, and there was a general theme. And I think that's the big takeaway was great momentum into 2022, right? It seemed like I wrote a blog on it on the Sonar blog site that our carriers justified to having that opinion on contract rate momentum continuing into 2022. And what I took away and kind of my thoughts are based on our sonar data and everything we're hearing across the supply chain. I mean, it seems like that momentum's going to continue. And we're hearing that. And you notice they kind of in these earnings reports, they're not saying, a lot of them aren't giving definitive ones, but halfway into 2022, I'm hearing from a few, we're seeing a lot of earnings. Um, in your opinion, do you think it'll last a little bit longer or are they just kind of hedging their bets? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think they obviously don't want to come out and say, yeah, we expect 10% rate increases or 15% rate increases, and then they go up 5%, right? Because then all these analysts that are are picking that are basically putting out these reports on, on the stock, yeah. right? They're they're factoring what in what management says. And if they miss, it's not necessarily a good thing. So I do think it's a little bit of hedging their bets, but I think there are some some signs, especially on the consumer side, that are like, okay, maybe the momentum's there, at least in the near term, but inflationary pressures that you touched on, we're seeing it across the board, right? Not just in the supply chain, but also in everyday life. So those factors are going to play a part into consumer spending, things like that, that's been driving a lot of the freight movements. And I think that's where, yeah, we're going to see some increases. But if we see that slowdown in consumer demand, it's like, okay, maybe they're not as high as what what they were in 2021. Exactly. It's like a situation where be careful what you wish for. Mm -hmm. So you're the CEO of a trucking company. Let's say you're asking me, I I don't want to put, you know, too optimistic a thing because, you know, some of the stuff you wrote on earlier, especially uh, challenging with asset-based carriers challenges. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like, yeah, you can get all this money, but recruiting equipment, the lane congestion, the labor market, you know, we're seeing with this great resignation, it, I don't know many people that are thinking, man, I can totally swap jobs right now. Let me just go straight immediately into trucking. So it's just a really hard situation. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at it, I mean, obviously the backlogs at uh, the OEMs, that's definitely playing an impact on these large trucking carriers. They're not able to get the equipment that they need. But you're also seeing them. I know uh, a few companies, they've reported millions and millions of dollars in gains from sales. So selling old equipment that they're not being able to see. So, I mean, you're seeing some turnover in some of that older equipment, and it's really taking advantage of the high used truck prices, right? I mean, I think I just looked, used three-year-old truck prices were like $115,000. Good Lord. Last year, they were like 50, (laughs) or two years ago, they were like $50,000. So, I mean, we're talking over 100% increase in used truck prices, which... That's insanity. Oh, lightly used, 500,000 miles, three years old, missing a few floorboards. But you know what? 150. And we had, if we had this conversation before COVID, we'd say like 150,000 for like a brand new OEM. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the, the, these used trucks are now going for the same price as what new trucks were going for just a couple of years ago. I think so, that's, such a great, that's such a great point to kind of look into is traditionally when the market gets this crazy, everyone capacity jumps in. Mm-hmm. We start a trucking company, we, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But 
with the used truck prices. That's now going to be an issue. And then by the time these carriers sell these units, they're making this gain on sale. But when they're selling them, these guys, a lot of these trucks are about to hit their problems. You know, components and stuff fail by year three, by year five, by year seven. And not only are you going to buy this truck, now you're going to deal with also more issues on repair, maintenance. And if you do have these issues with the supply chain shortages, good luck trying to get the repair parts for it. Yep. It's this double-edged sword that is, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to is just keeping them running in the first place. Yeah, and, and it's, it go. I mean, you talk on the maintenance expenses and those are there. I mean, those don't go anywhere with, I mean, it happens all the time. It, a new truck could break down just the same as an old one. It, that's a little different, but I mean, I think you look at, it's keeping those smaller carriers, owner ops out of the market, right? So where they may, drivers may be leaving the enterprise the umbrella of that, maybe they're not doing it as much. We're seeing turnover, right? I mean, turnover is yeah. still a big thing. And I think it'll always be a big thing in trucking. I know it's a point of that people are trying to drive home about dampening that, that 100% turnover rate. But I think what you're seeing is less in the owner ops side. I think Landstar's BCO data, I mean, that number, we track it because it tracks pretty close when you see this trucking cycle, right? Up market, down market. When you're in an uptrend, that number grows pretty fast quarter over quarter. I think this last quarter it was still positive, but it was up like half a percent quarter over quarter, as opposed to uh, earlier in the year, it was up like 8% quarter over quarter. So oh, wow. I mean, it's just like since I think that was Zach in 2021. So you see that number should come down. So they've added carrier or owner ops, right? Leased on at Landstar, but it's not at the same rate as it was. It's getting harder. Yeah, it's getting harder to keep growing and to keep adding, and it's getting hard for owner operators. Yeah, uh, you go you go under Landstar or you try to go under a carrier. Carriers like owner operators because they have to pay for you know their insurance, all these other costs. You save a lot and you make more off the top, but <laughs> uh, at the same time, like it can be pretty difficult for an owner operator because you see these guys go into it. They see the money, they see the numbers, but they don't also see what happens when you take all the expenses out and then expectation versus reality, you know, yeah, it looked like this, but my net income turned out to be this. Uh, for some of these folks, they may go back into being company drivers or swap companies just because of it. Yeah, and, and that's a big area that we've focused on in the past is, is what that looks like, right? What, is, what do these shifts actually tell us? What does it tell you about the market? Are people just chasing high rates? And it's like, yes and no. I mean, you're seeing cyber sign-on bonuses, pay raises across the board in the truckload side, but you're also seeing record high spot rates that owner ops are chasing too. So it's, there's just kind of this balancing act between all of it. So, Exactly. I think that's, that's a really interesting thing to look into. Uh, we're talking about carriers. We have a pricing power index, which kind of also shows just how much in favor it is for trucking companies. Could you elaborate a little bit on some of the work we've done with that? Yeah. So the pricing power index is an index that goes from zero to a hundred, uh, Anything 50 or below, 50 represents a balanced market. So zero means it's pricing power is in favor of the shippers, closer to 100 favoring the carriers, with that 50 obviously being a balanced market. Pre-2020, pre-COVID, that number was down in the 40-ish range, showing shippers had the upper hand. I mean, you look back at our tender rejections, our volume levels, they were all depressed. I mean, they, I mean rejections were like 6% nationally, oh, yeah. which is like crazy. Uh, seems unfathomable 
unfathomable now. Can't like, think for, of it right now just because of it. It's, I mean, yeah. I mean, look at, like you mentioned, LA, Ontario, those rejections down to like 10, around 10%. And it's like, that seems loose. Like the market seems loose at 10%. And before that, we thought, okay, 10%, that's upward. They're inflationary. That starts to put that pressure on spot rates. So it's just kind of crazy. Now, for the past 18 months, that's been on the carrier side, right? So you've seen rejections up above 20%. You've seen volume levels well up year over year, even into 2021. Now, 2022, they're up another 8% volume levels are currently year over year. So, I mean, you're seeing still a lot of volume, but it kind of gives an idea of, of it takes the entire market into play and kind of shows, all right, this is why carriers have pricing power or shippers have pricing power. And I think we went from a 65 to a 75 as well. So we're really in pretty firm solid carrier country. Right? Yeah. And we've, that shift kind of happened around the holidays. Typically carriers have that pricing power in the, around the holidays, drivers stay off the road, things like that. So that caused a little bit of that shift, but from the holidays to now, we really haven't come off of that. I mean, I think volume levels now are as high as they were in November which is crazy to think about because it's January. You're thinking seasonality. And yeah. like the holidays, a lot of people think, okay, Thanksgiving, Christmas, holidays. Um, but we're actually entering the Chinese New Year holiday, which for many people in trucking, you don't really see the effect of it until later with uh, you know the impact. But it is actually starting tomorrow. It is in fact Chinese New Year. So happy Chinese New Year to anybody who is celebrating. But the important thing to think about Chinese New Year is uh, we import a lot of goods. We saw that number for the Port of LA, 10% rejection index. I'd be yelled at back in the day if I did that. Uh, you tell a customer, oh, I'm at 90% compliance on my tenders. They're thinking, I signed you up for 95%. Yeah. So you need to step it up. Nowadays, it's completely different. But interesting thing, real quick on that, and then we're going to dive into it. Uh, it can last up to six days, but it happens weeks before and weeks after as uh, everybody goes out in the countryside, visits family, then they have to come back into the cities, manufacturing in the cities, of course. And then uh, also COVID lockdowns equals more disruption. They're going to go around with their families. They're coming back. Some of these people will test positive. Current Chinese policy is lock it down. Uh, so we're having a lot of hurry up and wait scenarios to see how this pans out. Because finally, uh, given the energy situation in China, 70% of their plants are coal fired. Uh, they actually are opening more coal-fired plants. People think, why are we talking coal on a trucking show? Well, the important thing to see is the fact the, the power plants are what are powering the factories. If your factory is experiencing rolling blackouts and you're at 50% capacity, all of my orders and stuff from overseas aren't going to come across. So pay close attention to this. This is what I kind of wanted to pick your brain on as well. Has this historically been something that immediately we're going to see, or are we going to think like Q2, Q3? How is this going to pan out? So, I mean, historically, Lunar New Year, you think, like you said, shutdowns, week, I mean, it can take weeks at a time to get manufacturing up. Look at the ocean market right now and the disruption that we face, right? There's, what, 100 vessels off the port or off the coast, uh, LA, Long Beach? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's a backlog that's going to take not just a couple days or a couple weeks to work itself through. So what you're going to see, I mean... We saw an uptick in bookings, right, on the ocean side, right? And that was, say, right around Christmas. The holidays. The holidays, yeah. So, I mean, well, we're past where we were then. So, it's like we're still seeing an increase in bookings. 
those disruptions are probably still going to happen out on, in the China, right? Like there's going to be some shutdowns and whatnot, but demand on the ocean's still there. And what that means here domestically is that freight has to go somewhere once it clears the port. I mean, you're seeing warehouse space effectively sold out, especially in Southern California. I mean, I think Prolog just said 99.6% of their space available is leased out. So, I mean... And they're a huge player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're they're massive. And it kind of gives an insight of, to what the whole market's facing, at least on the warehousing side, just because they do are such a big player in, in that space. So that freight has to go somewhere. So, I mean, it's beneficial for truckload carriers that are like, okay, we, I mean, there's still freight that has to flow through, right? So it's, it's, that disruption's going to be here for a while, I would think. I mean, I think what we're going to see, in vo- we're not going to see the impacts where we have kind of a lull in volumes when we had two weeks or plus off in shipping yeah. uh, from China. So I just don't think we're going to see that like slow down that we've seen. Uh, and especially with the containers. Mm-hmm. So we... I don't think a lot of people understand. This was a cool fact I learned earlier today that say that you have the ocean shipment, I'm the port. You drop off all the containers. I finally unloaded them. But you've already left mm-hmm. because you don't get paid to take the containers back. Nope. And then the other crazy thing that blew my mind was not only are you not getting paid because it's that lucrative, you're not going to mm-hmm. wait eight days to reload your crap. It is cheaper to just fabricate more containers in China and just build them and then ship them back over, then it would be for you to simply say, uh, you know, let me just take these back, let me pay you for them. So we have, not only as our ports, you know, inundated with 100 ship plus backlog, but a lot of that terminal is tied up with empty containers that we don't really have a place to put them. Mm-hmm. And with warehousing being as it is, it, it's completely astounding that, uh, well, let's just build some containers or scrap the ones we have as a potential solution. Yeah, I mean, it is the whole the ocean market right now is just, it's crazy. And I've written, a, we wrote a paper, uh, I guess a little earlier last year, maybe August timeframe about how the ocean market does drive uh, transportation markets. And you, there's typically about a six week time frame from the time it, like the booking shows up yeah. in our bookings before you see a p- uptick in volumes. That six weeks is not six weeks anymore because those transit times from China to uh, North America are double or triple what they were, right? So you're looking at, I mean, say a shipment took 15 to 20 days. Well, now it's taking like 60 to 100 days to get to clear the ports. So it's like you're just, the backlog's there. You're just prolonging the time before it actually hits the... And the, the problem is, I mean, inventory levels are still depressed. Retailers are trying to build them back. You're having... I mean, there's just, and then you have nowhere for anything to go. You're missing seasons, but I mean, retail, you think about how it works. That stuff's getting here, trying to get on shore well before. uh, We have Halloween still on the ships. Yeah, exactly. Christmas and Halloween, out of those 100 ships you mentioned, love to do a deep dive one day. Let's find out where the the missing uh, uh, stuff, maybe by the time this coming Halloween rolls around, we'll finally have them somehow process through the supply chain. But, you know, if you're like a discount, like a TJ Maxx, or you're somebody who takes, things that are marked down. This is like a golden opportunity. Yeah, I think actually Craig mentioned that. He goes, this is a per, uh, on Twitter one day, he was like, with everything going on and in the retail supply chain, how it is currently, TJ Maxx is set up really well. I mean, when you think about 
it's expensive, say, for, say, a Nike misses a season or somebody like that, like a, an apparel company misses like, hey, we've got our fall line coming out. Well, those shipments don't get here until the winter. Well, you've just missed the entire season. You can't go back. Yeah. Bring fashion back fashion changes <laughs> often. Well, they plan that year, months in advance. When, when you mm-hmm. get a big retailer like a Gap or somebody else that plans out their stuff, mm-hmm. They're thinking six months lead time on what people think they're going to wear. They're not like uh, Zara, the guys out of Spain that have the real quick turnarounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's no place for that stuff to go, but discounted. Yep, exactly. So it, it's, there's a lot of the ports and the ocean markets. Very, it's a very interesting market at the moment. So it's, I mean, I'm looking here at bookings and they're up to where they were almost peak season levels back oh, in wow. August, September. I mean, it's it's just kind of mind-blowing that we're now in, again, January, which, I mean, it's kind of typical. You do see this uptick in bookings around the Lunar New Year. It's not really a surprise. It's just, I think, at the level that we're at, like, I wouldn't, the uptick's not a surprise. It's just how high we are. So. Well, the level, yeah, exactly, the amount of volume. And I mm-hmm. think, so like when I talked to my friends in trucking, when I started in trucking, it's very tactical. It's very, I got this many tenders per week from this customer, et cetera. But understanding things like the port, understanding things like retail, it's kind of a next level thing to understand where trucking fits in the supply chain Mm -hmm. because we have this long haul segment that goes coast to coast Mm -hmm. or the intermodal. So I think, you know, especially looking at, given the situations we have with the the ports in Chinese New Year, uh, do you think you were a trucking carrier, if you're a trucking company, um, what would your strategy be? Would you reposition everybody to this gravy train out west or would you still try to take advantage of like the northeast chaos? I think you have to have a mix, right? I mean, it's obviously, it's easy to say it's kind of a cop-out. But I mean, you've got to be, it has to, you have to be smart. I mean, obviously it makes sense to go to the west coast. You're going to be guaranteed volume, more than likely. You're still getting rates higher than what they were a couple years ago. Like, but then you're also setting yourself up for, okay, this is where the market's probably, you're going to see the slowdown happen early and see a slowdown in rates. But I mean, what we're seeing, I mean, look at contract rates, right? On a national average, they were what, 283 last week? I think, I think they went up to 289 recently. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's getting up there. <laughs> and those don't include fuel, right? So like, that's what's crazy is like, you look at contract rates, they're almost at $3 a mile with not including fuel. Our spot rates are at three dollars and seventy nine cents. They do include fuel, so I mean that gap is pretty narrow. When you when you start to factor in fuel, that gap's narrow. So contract rates probably better. And like that, if I was that was me, that's what I'd be going for and trying to get those elevated rates. But where you position the equipment, I guess, is all dependent on where where the freight's going to be. Yeah, even your parts. location, because yep. we could get. You and I could be two different analysts, two different trucking companies. We'll get two different spot quotes mm-hmm. because of all the location, geography, yeah. et cetera. I, I, think that's, I think that's definitely something to pay attention to as we see uh, moving into uh, Q1, ending Q1, seeing as this other data comes out. But final question here, real quick. Um, if, you, uh, if you said that, let's say, uh, uh, hypothetically speaking here, what would your trucker CV handle be? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, that you are asking the wrong person, right? I, uh, there are no wrong answers, by the way. I don't know. I think my go-to always is just T-Mulf. <laughs> it's, it's easy. It's not crazy. I'm not that, it's, 
that's my go-to with just about everything. So that'd be mine. T. Watson. I'm very, and I'm not very creative. Yeah. Sorry on my email. Yeah. I mean, T-Mobile <laughs> is, is uh, the EY throws the little things in there. Just keep it short and keep sweet. Keep it simple. Yep. I love it. Well, you can find uh, Tony here at Freightways Passport Research, or you can also check him out on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Mr. Tony Mulvey, M-U-L-V-E-Y. V-E-Y. Don't type in the Mulve, add it all in. And then finally, for this show, you can check us out. I have a newsletter, by the way, loaded and rolling, freightwaves.com slash loaded and rolling. We also are on Apple and Spotify, as well as Freightwaves TV. Check it out. Quality videos, good content. And then uh, finally, if you want to check out anything else, you can check out Tony with Passport Research and go from there. Uh, so this is, uh, this is Loaded and Rolling. I'm Thomas Watson. And I'd like to thank everybody for coming along. Signing off. <laughs>